are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Boogie Nights, which came out in 1997. It was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars Mark Wahlberg, Julianne Moore, Burt Reynolds, Don Cheadle, John C. Riley, Heather Graham, William H. Macy, we're going to keep going, Luis Guzman, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Philip Baker Hall, Nicole Ari Parker, Nina Hartley, Robert Ridgely, Ricky Jay, Thomas Jane, and Alfred Molina. The genre would be showbiz epic. I want you to know I plan on being a star. New Line Cinema presents... Jack Horner, filmmaker. Exotic pictures. The life of a dreamer. Oh, these are great. Are they lizard? No, they're Italian. The days of a business. Cut. Terrific. The award goes to... Nick Ziegler! And the nights in between. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop this part. Official selection of the 1997 New York Film Festival. Boogie Nights. Rated R. Happy 25th anniversary to one of the best films of the 1990s, or any decade. This movie paints in a lot of broad strokes with its characters, and yet all of them feel very human. It's a weird trick that writer-director Paul Thomas Anderson pulls off with this film, among many others. Among them, getting a star-making lead performance from Mark Wahlberg, who was more widely known as Marky Mark at the time of release. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Another trick he pulled was out Scorseseing Scorsese at the time. Boogie Nights came out seven years after Goodfellas, and PTA, as he is also affectionately known, made no secret of how he was going for a Scorsese vibe. And boy, does he. You don't ever disrespect me. Fucker! You never disrespect me, you fucker! Wall-to-wall classic rock needle drops, fast-cutting montages showing triumph and downfall for our main characters, and of course, those extended one-shots, of which I think there are at least two. There is literally one sequence where we follow the camera, following characters into and then out of a swimming pool. It's just dazzling to witness. Something else that he pulls off, which was quite difficult, was making an almost three-hour epic about the porn industry taking place roughly from 1977 to 1983, which never really feels exploitive or titillating. This is a, quote, business, as we are repeatedly told, and most of our characters treat it that way. But Boogie Nights never sugarcoats just how ugly things can get in such an industry as well. We see, sadly, how the door gets opened up for at least one major character to continuously go after underage girls and the consequences of his actions. We watch several characters we grow to care about taken through the ringer, based on bad life choices, especially Julianne Moore's Amber Waves, eventually drowning herself in cocaine as a way to deal with the loss of any visitation with her young son after a divorce. Of course, the irony of her character is that her drug use is both the coping mechanism and the root cause for losing her son in the first place. And this is all portrayed by Julianne Moore in one of the film's best and bravest performances. So this is not right. Um, my son was never exposed to drugs or pornographic material or any of those things my husband just assumed. 
And yet another trick that PTA pulls off with this cast is maintaining the drama while also celebrating the humor of these situations. And there are no shortage of laugh-out-loud moments in this film. And yet they only enhance the story. They don't distract from it. John C. Riley gives a strong performance as perennial second-banana porn actor Reed Rothschild. He also moonlights as a magician. And it's easy to see how less than 10 years later, in full-on comedies like Talladega Nights and Walk Hard, Riley basically carved out a second career for himself as a gifted comedic actor. His performance cannily helps demonstrate just how far our main protagonist, Dirk Diggler, played by Wahlberg, has fallen in later scenes when we see both of them in the studio struggling to become rock stars. All day, all night, you feel my heat. repeat that again feel 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 my heat feel my heat yeah it's definitely cool I mean, seriously, is there anything funnier than watching Wahlberg mangle every note of You Got the Touch when the camera pans out to the editing bay and we see a long shot of Riley cheering him on on the other side of the glass with some sort of celebratory jazzercise dance? (laughs) And that's not even mentioning memorable performances from Louise Guzman, Nicole Ari Parker, Heather Graham, Joanna Cassidy, Melora Walters, and the late, great Philip Baker Hall, who delivers what might be this film's most memorable line of dialogue. I like simple pleasures, like butter in my ass, lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. That's just something that I enjoy. Call me crazy, call me a pervert. And that's not even my personal favorite, which is the following exchange at the recording studio between Dirk, Reed, and the guy running the recording studio, played by Robert Downey Sr., no less. Wait, we can't pay the price of the demo tapes unless we take the demo tapes to the record company and get paid. Hello, exactly. That's not an MP. That's a YP. Your problem. Come up with the money and I'll give you the tapes. That's it. Okay. All right, now you're talking above my head, all right? I don't know this industry jargon, YP, MP, whatever. P.T. Anderson pulls off so many tricks with this, and it's only his second film, that you could almost mistake him for a magician. Maybe Reed Rothschild was onto something. And that brings me to the categories. And I'm actually going to combine two of the categories because we definitely have an all-timer here. Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film because music is essential to film. And we're going to combine that with the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. We cannot forget, of course, that stacked soundtrack, which includes no shortage of period-appropriate gems. Among the highlights are Three Dog Nights, Mama Told Me Not to Come, which is just the perfect, wacky-sounding accompaniment to that pool sequence referenced earlier. Especially that first hysterical exchange between Diggler and Rothschild when they meet for the first time. Hey, did you ever see that movie Star Wars? Oh, about four times. People tell me I look like Han Solo. Really? What do you bench? You tell first. I asked you first. Same time. That's cool. Are you ready? Ready. One, One two, two, three. You didn't say anything. Oh, neither did you. And being as big of a fan of Saturday Night Fever as most listeners of this podcast know that I am, I cannot not mention the disco dancing scene about halfway through to Machine Gun from the Commodores. Yep, you have Wahlberg and that dark vest just strutting around on the dance floor with all of the ladies encircling him. 
Now, it's not quite Saturday Night Fever, but it's a nice try. Still, none of these are at the pinnacle for needle drops here. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one song that deserves to win this category. And I'm not sure how he did it, but PTA made Night Ranger's Sister Christian relevant again, more than a decade after its original release. I have always loved this song, especially the aggressive, percussive build-up to the chorus. And why is this 80s hair metal rocker the obvious choice? because it is, of course, featured in the standout scene late in the movie, which would be the trailer moment when a few of our coked-out heroes, Wahlberg, Riley, and Thomas Jane out-coking the other two, visiting the mansion of the mysteriously wealthy Rahad to attempt to sell him some cocaine, which is actually baking soda masquerading as cocaine. Rahad is played to the hilt by Alfred Molina, who we see dancing in his underwear to Sister Christian, sporting nothing else besides a silk house coat and shaggy mustache. Melina almost steals this movie, and for just under 10 minutes of bravura filmmaking, we see PTA pulling out all the stops as a director. Oh, friends! Which one is Tom? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> what you met before? Down at the party board. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in, come on in. Uh, these are my friends here. Hey, come on in, come on in. Great to see you. Take a seat, take a seat. You want something to drink? Bill, little coke, little dope, I got everything. No. Are you sure you want something? No, thank you. No? Okay. So, got something? Huh? We, we got something here? There it is. That's a fat half key right there. <laughs> All right. That is some quality shit. Oh, don't worry about it. I mean, go ahead. You know, if you want. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. I love that song. The piercing sound design with firecrackers going off every 30 seconds. Sublime double takes from Riley as he realizes the gravity of the situation. The camera lingering on Wahlberg's face as he almost just shuts off, paralyzed by fear. And of course, Sister Christian is followed up by Jesse's girl on the stereo. As Molina even opines... Ricky Springfield, the fireman! It is the high-wire scene to end all high-wire scenes, accompanied by the perfect needle drop. The next category is Wasted Talent, which are the most underutilized talent involved with the film. In such a packed ensemble, it's honestly hard to say that anyone is really truly wasted. Every character honestly has at least one moment to shine. That said, we do have three different Oscar-nominated top-flight actors who I would have loved a bit more of. And taking a page from recent episode Heat, and inspired by Bill Simmons' Rewatchables podcast, I am going to select the three most deserving actors and performances who, if this movie was remade as a 10-episode Netflix series, would deserve one episode of their own, just focusing on their character. And as it turns out, they might also be the most genuine and sympathetic characters in this whole story. First one, Don Cheadle as Buck Swope the aspiring porn actor who just wants to channel his inner cowboy and eventually sell stereo equipment, if only others would take him more seriously. I don't understand. Why, yeah, why can't you give me the loan? Mr. Swope, you're a pornographer. This bank is not in business to support <laughs> no, no, pornography. Okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a pornographer, though. I'm an actor. I'm sorry. Please, please. Then there is William H. Macy as Little Bill. 
the production technician who has to constantly watch and also watch others watching his porn actress wife um, fornicating in public with other men to her amusement and to his extreme embarrassment. Are you giving me shit, Kurt? No, hey, no way, little bit. My fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kurt. All right? I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the photography of the film we're shooting tomorrow. Okay? Okay, no big deal. Sorry. Until he finally snaps. Unless we forget PSH. The legendary Philip Seymour Hoffman, who left us just too soon, just six years ago. He plays Scotty J, the production assistant who is clearly smitten with Dirk Diggler from the moment he lays eyes on him. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. And we witness his torment as he's not only rejected by Dirk, but has to watch firsthand as his unrequited love spirals out of control into drug addiction. So yes, as near perfect as this film is, I just would have loved a one-hour episode devoted to just Cheadle, Macy, and PSH and their respective characters. And now the final category. That would be the MVP. The person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Boogie Nights does really walk that fine line between absurdity and genuine danger or pathos throughout. And the not-so-secret weapon pulling this all off is editor Dylan Tishner, who pieces so many disparate elements together just brilliantly. And this was just the start of an amazing run by Tisha Bohr, who has handled editing duties for several great films since then, including Zero Dark Thirty, Brokeback Mountain, Unbreakable, The Town, and even PTA's own Magnolia and There Will Be Blood. But for as many props as Dylan Tishnor deserves for just how well this whole crazy extended narrative holds together, this movie is still very much Paul Thomas Anderson's achievement. Just revisiting this film, it's clearly obvious that it was written and directed by someone with first-hand knowledge of the geography and personality of this particular area at this particular time. Not only did PTA grow up in The Valley as a child from a showbiz family, but you can feel his passion for the subject matter throughout as a film lover. There is much discussion in this story about the transition from film to video for this industry, and it never comes off as silly or just navel-gazing. The way PTA treats it, it's akin to how Don Vito Corleone commiserates about the proliferation of narcotics in that first Godfather movie. And we see this in how the director Jack Horner is reacting with the same kind of resistance to the proliferation of videotape. You come into my house, my party, to tell me about the future. That the future is tape, videotape, and not film. It is amateurs and not professionals. I'm a filmmaker. That's why I will never make a movie on videotape. Horner is, of course, played by the late, great Burt Reynolds in what many consider, myself included, to be his best overall performance, which he was also nominated for an Oscar for, and he deserved to win, in my opinion. Reynolds provides the heart of the movie as the main creative figure who's at the center of everything. But really, at the end of the day, it's PTA who is the heart of this movie. He juggles as many memorable sequences and interesting character arcs as just about any filmmaker could within 155 minutes of runtime. It's a truly impressive achievement, which he would come close to duplicating just two years later with Magnolia, which is a film that I love almost as much as Boogie Nights, though it does have a few more obvious flaws. Paul Thomas Anderson is the MVP. So uh, this is the first shot of this movie that um, I think we should all unashamedly try and make a great movie. 
and don't apologize. Let's just try and make a really, really, really fantastic movie. My rating for Boogie Nights is, of course, five stars out of five. What else is there to say about this film? It is a stone-cold classic. And if you're looking to watch Boogie Nights, it is currently streaming on Netflix. And that ends another big, bright, shining star review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Motor head.